Welcome to Women Thriving Unapologetically with Lindsay McCowan. Over the next hour, you will hear raw, honest, and inspiring conversation between Lindsay and her guests, discussing how to thrive, live joyfully, and abundantly in spite of life's challenges. Now, here is your host, Lindsay McCowan. Hello and welcome everyone to Women Thriving Unapologetically. I'm your host, Lindsay McCowan, and we have an incredibly special topic and guest today. And you might notice that uh, I sound a little different. I'm actually sitting in my a bathroom at a little Airbnb in Virginia Beach. Uh, I came down here because it's been an incredibly difficult week or month or actually three years, if I'm being completely honest. <laughs> Uh, I needed to get away and I forgot my power cord to my computer. So you just make do because I really did just want to quit. I was just at my wit's end and I realized in that kind of crisis moment that to shy away just to give up wouldn't be really um, in keeping with the topic that we have today to talk about, which is celebrating the crone and the witch and the shadow of the patriarchy. And we're going to be talking about the power and wisdom of the how what elder women played, um, the role they played in a healthy human culture for millennia and how as time and the development of the patriarchy, this essential role as healers and counselors and sources of wisdom for our communities was transformed into something where we are seen as decrepit or unworthy or not as valued or um, all the things that come with ageism and misogyny in our culture. So we're going to talk about this today and how we can start to re-language the, the definitions of crone and witch and what it means to be a woman in this time and these emerging times. But before we invite in these two amazing women, I would just love to take a moment to stop and pause and breathe because I definitely need this right now. I feel a lot of emotions coming to the surface. So this is the power that we have within us just to stop and presence ourselves through our breath. So just join me in this moment to take a few rounds of breath all the way down deep into your belly. And if you feel comfortable closing your eyes, you can do that or not. You can still bring your awareness into your body. And women, we hold such wisdom in the bone marrow, in the cells, in our DNA. And a lot of that wisdom has been forgotten, but here we are today, just having this intention to bring some of this wisdom back forward to the surface to perhaps trust that that wisdom is within us and that it is possible to tap into it again and to allow it to be a guiding force for us to reshape our beliefs, to reshape our systems, to reshape our communities, reshape our vision. Let's just take two more deep belly breaths, maybe even exhaling through the mouth, Sometimes I feel when I exhale through the mouth, it's just a shedding, a letting go of all that stuff on the surface that weighs me down. And so when you're ready, just bringing yourself fully back to this conversation and we'll invite in two very special women who have both already been on our show. So 
first we have Sarah Hutchison, which is who is a multi-certified yoga um, Ayurvedic educator, women's leadership mentor. And she's, you know, a mentor to me, I have to say, she's just incredibly wise. She's also an Enneagram coach and her passion is supporting people to know their way. And she uses the daily habits from yoga and Ayurveda to build just this resilient container, like your body is your container. And she uses the Enneagram approach to break the, the trance of personality. And she uses women's leadership archetypes to invite authentic power into our lives, whether you're a housewife or an executive. And then our other guest, Sarah McCulley, oh, my dear friend, is she's a mindful movement teacher, a coach, an artist, and a writer. And she's created this amazing group called the Age of Becoming, Embodied Practices Empowering Women Over 50. This is a community where women come together to receive free movement practices and workshops, deep, deep connection to one another, and the sense of building not just community, but family. And so she's passionate about supporting people as they connect with the inherent wisdom of the body, and they can take these practices and these wisdoms back into their life. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you both Mm -hmm. for being here and making time to come back to the show. Mm, thank you so much, Lindsay. Yeah. So um, let's just dive in because this is such a big topic. And so and the, that could take, a, we could have many, many shows on this. Um, I'd just love to, let's just start first by defining um, who is the crone and who was she once in our culture and who is she now? And why is her role like, so essential to redefine now and the times that we are living. Who wants to start? <laughs> Susan, go ahead. You're working with so many crones, I think. Every yeah. work, I'd love to hear what you see and feel. Um, I am, my observations are that. Um, Women, when given space and support, step into what I think of as um, sort of a wise, a wise elder role. And this sometimes manifests in um, supporting and nourishing younger generations. Sometimes it it manifests as... um, New creativity, new uh, new businesses, new art, new uh, new endeavors. Um, it can also manifest as uh, as as adventuring and travel. And at the same time, and I'd love to hear what you have to say. I also observe women who. Um, feel very uh, self-conscious about changes in their bodies and their appearance. They're very sensitive to the um, cultural tendency to make women past menopause invisible and um, irrelevant. And, I mean, I have my theories about why this, why this happened. (laughs) Um, I mean, it seems to me quite clear that there is such um, an opening of energy after menopause 
there's such a, like a surge of space and power that that can be threatening to the status quo and that can be threatening. And, and so what better way to squelch that is not only to depict elder women as being ugly and, um, evil and, um, you know, uh, oh, and, 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 and irrelevant, but not just do that, but convince elder women themselves yeah. that that is so. That is the ultimate. Oh yeah, Susan. I mean, I think what you just said hits on so many different things. Um, I mean, if we look back at the, who the crone was, like the word crone used to mean crown. And um, it wasn't until 1390 that the crone started to mean something different, that it started to mean like disagreeable woman, or actually the translation sometimes comes out as carrion. And you think what carrion means, it means decrepit or just this Mm. diseased, you know, like something that you don't want to have at all. It's just gross. And, but, and then around, 1450, when were the 1450 to the mid 1700s were the witch hunts and most of the women that were burned up to 9 million women were burned. Most of them were older women who were the healers, the community, uh, the ones that had the remedies, the ones who transitioned, um, helped with transitions such as birth and death and, and this power that the women held. And so when we see this, this, emergence of uh, a patriarchal lens come in it makes sense that they would want to tap down that power because it would be seen as threatening and when you spoke of um the power of a woman in her menopausal years it brings to mind christine northrup who's a holistic uh physician and she talks about the power that women have in menopause of all these this wisdom that's coming forward through them so if we think about those elders, those, uh, those crone women back in times um, coming into their own and really tapping into their wisdom, there would be a need from a, through a patriarchal perspective to squash that. And that's just, you know, I'm not a, you know, a historian by any measure, but these are just a lot of the pieces that I have put together. Sarah, what do you, what do you, I know you have something to say. I know. <laughs> Our listeners need to know that we can see each other on Zoom. So we've got the advantage of body language. We do. We do. <laughs> yeah. I love this conversation. I love being invited into it. And I think it's so pivotal that we have this opening into what is about the way women are regarded in culture. I want to broaden the lens a little bit at this moment. Uh, And bring in a quote from a man, Buckminster Fuller. I think Buckminster Fuller is one of those people I was aware of early in my life who is just an excellent human being. Doesn't matter, man, woman, what a creative, innovative person on the edge of perception. And he says this, in order to change an existing paradigm, you do not struggle to try and change the problematic model. You create a new model and make the old one obsolete. Mm. Mm. It's beautiful. 
So aren't we in a position right now, anybody listening who's got a curiosity about this, the three of us who are in this work, to create a new model of how women are regarded in culture, regardless of age, whether it's the little girl who's being encouraged to dress up in her frilly dress so that she'll be more attractive at Thanksgiving, so that people will say, oh, your daughter's so beautiful. Hmm. Mm. Or it's that postmenopausal woman who is invisible. And that's been me. Walk down the street. And for many years, men looked at me. I'm not like a gorgeous babe. I'm not like a curvaceous, boobalicious body type. But I'm vibrant and attractive. But since menopause, every once in a while, I'll catch a man's eye. Just because my vibrancy has become perhaps less sexual, I'm no longer fertile. So biologically, again, let's go back to the pure biology of, oh, is that a person I could put my seed in? Mm-hmm. You know, that's a lot of what's going on here. And on the feminine side, a lot of women are thinking, oh, am I the kind of vessel that would receive the seed? Maybe I want his seed. We are still compelled biologically both male and female. So when I think about that postmenopausal woman, and I just want to go back briefly, Lindsay, to what you said as you did the dates and the, the numbers of women who were slain, slain in horrific ways in Europe, even more than in the New World, burned, eviscerated, quartered, hung. Yes, why? Hmm. There's not an easy explanation for that other than to say there's an inherent power in the feminine that is not in the masculine that needed to be put to the side so that masculine principles could dominate. And we can look at religion as having a lot of responsibility for this. When, Christi- when mystical Christianity was eclipsed by the need to create Christian culture that controlled rather than guided, incredibly dominant architecture came into the church based on masculine principles of dominance. So the women had to go. We weren't eradicated. We just got quieter. And we did our work in more quiet ways in order to stay safe. This is why arising as a powerful woman is so challenging right now. Because the resonance of it not being safe to out yourself as a powerful female human is still in our DNA. Oh, yeah. And it just comes forward sometimes I feel like we still have that fear of being burned in other ways. Like mm-hmm. if you really step forward with these, this messaging and it's so easy nowadays to be attacked on social media. I mean, and there's also still a physical danger for many women in the world. We, we can see that clearly, but, you know, here in the Western world, a lot of that attack comes through just the, the languaging that's happening um, in our personal lives, as well as on social media. And 
you know, when we talk about the crone as an archetype, you know, that wisdom is in the collective unconscious. Like you said, it's, it's, it, that's also in our DNA, the fear there, but also that um, the wisdom that of the feminine ways of inst- uh, the instinctive and natural abilities to channel wisdom, the, the deep inner knowing, the um, intuition, and um, just this being this natural ability to guide through transitions is still there in our psyche. And so I feel like this is just such an important and really beautiful opportunity today to tap a little bit more into that crone energy and see how we can tap into the psyche that's there and maybe perhaps learn a little bit from each other, how we can start to heal some of that fear that's in our DNA. What's the new model? What is the new model? How do we make this one that we've, we can be so focused on obsolete and talk about a new model of what it is to, what, what does the mature feminine look like? How does it take its place in culture? How does it include the mature masculine? How do we become excellent humans to deal with the complex problems facing our species and our planet? I just heard on the radio this morning that the UN, I think this is correct, the UN just developed, just released new information that we have 10 years until climate, the climate crisis eclipses our ability to live on the planet. 10 years. So, um, Houston, we got a problem. We need the best of the masculine and the best of the feminine, new paradigms, as soon as possible in order to meet this evolutionary challenge that's been self-imposed. So what does that look like? That's the inquiry, perhaps, that we're opening. And what is the mature feminine's role in advising how we live, love, and lead in these new ways that incorporate traditional ways, but also are ways that we have not, we're just dreaming into now. Yeah, and 10 years doesn't seem like nearly enough time to (laughs) be able to unravel I mean, I am been posing this question for some time now, like how do I bring forward more of these, this, a feminine approach to my business? Like I'm in the, you know, I shared with Susan and Sarah earlier listeners that, you know, I just wiped the slate clean this week. I just like, I just packed everything up that had spiritual meaning to me. So I could just sit here in the fertile void and be like, okay, how do I want to move? Like, what is the message that wants to come through me? And because I, I still am seeing through the male gaze, even though I'm inviting in all these feminine energies, but it's still so prevalent. I'm not, and when I say the male gaze, I mean more of the toxic male gaze, not the healthy masculine. And so how given, you know, and then the, the whole thing, like the sense of urgency, Sarah, I think you mentioned is a, a masculine thing. We, there is a sense of urgency here. And yet how do we bring in this sense of space to, to find the the new model when we don't have a blueprint for it there's i can't look this up i can't google this (laughs) yeah yeah 
I mean, have you seen within your group, Susan? Like, a- yeah, I, yeah, I was. I, I, I will not even um, begin to imagine that I could uh, imagine the the new model. However, in my own experience, what I am noticing is that when women come together and hold space for their their individual gifts and, um, and desires, what happens is that we start to expand the possibilities of what it is to be an elder woman. And, um, and this, I love, I love your reference to the safety, like the, the fear of stepping out as different than um, a traditional patriarchal image of a grandmother or something like that. It's like, what happens when um, we show up with what enlivens us and lightens us up and where our power is and we hold space for each other, it feels to me that then together we create that safety and together we can create more possibilities and together we can create more power. And somehow that thing that we can't imagine or I can't imagine right now, a new model can emerge from that. And, and I, and I agree, you know, man or woman, it is the, um, that is that healthy feminine in all of us. Um, and, uh, but in particular, what I'm noticing is that my courage and um, adventurousness has been increased as I've spent more time with women in this time of life and watching like, wow, like, look at that. That's so different than what I, what I imagine would be in somebody who's 70, 75, um, 80, whatever, whatever age. Um, so it's, I think that um, part of what Sarah said is that we didn't go away, but we got quieter. And, um, and we did our work in behind the scenes. And the more that we can bring it out into the light, bring it into the light of each other and of the world, there starts to be the possibility of connection and um, experimentation, curiosities like, huh, I wonder what, I wonder if I could wear something like that, or if I could um, take a trip like that or make a business like that. Right. It's like you start to see somebody do something and go, wow, that's, I didn't even think that was possible. And um, so, yeah, so I'm, I am really noticing the, the power of healthy community and how that um, really opens all of us up. Yeah. I love that. And it's, to me, it speaks to part of this new paradigm we're positing on this show. What if women recognized when they were being competitive with one another and chose not to be? Mm-hmm. How would that change any of our experiences of being in community if we had an agreement not to compete? Oh, I, I now would add or compare. 
Well, like, well, there you go. Right. Oh. I mean, uh, because I, I think that that those two things are sort of the, the underbelly of each other. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the, the opportunity to, um, find the genius in everyone, including ourselves. Um, yeah. And, um, yeah, I think that's the, self, that's right. the self-honoring. One of the foundational things I do in my work is I teach, which sounds like a funny thing to do, self-compassion. <laughs> Generally, we don't have the neural pathways for self-compassion, which means we're just faking it when we're being compassionate with others, essentially. <laughs> this, this hard wiring that came from dominance can eclipse our sense of being soft, being in our yin selves. And there's times when we need to be young. The bank makes a mistake. I'm young. <laughs> you know, somebody brings their dog into my yard to do their business and they don't, they leave it. I get pretty young about that. It's appropriate. It's not that you're yin all the time. You're not the soft yielding. It's all good. We know that that's, that's just old school, new age Sorry, not going to get you there. So it's the combination of things again and again and again. So just back to this idea that if I'm not comparing, if I catch myself comparing and say, oh, bad habit, not going to do that. And if I'm not competing, I catch myself doing that, recognize that that's simply my own sense of insufficiency rising up like Lindsay, for example, you've got a great team. You've got great graphics. I look at the way that you're promoting yourself um, on social media. I'm like, Oh man, my stuff is so rinky dink compared to hers. I could get jealous and I could be like, well, I'm not going to click like, I'm just not going to acknowledge that it's better than mine. (laughs) Okay. Raise your hand. If you've ever felt that way, it's a certain part of our nature. What if, what if we're in the business of evolving our nature? What does that look like? And I would contend, and I think, Susan, you just said this, it's so much more efficient to do it together. And if we've only got 10 years, here's the big boogeyman of 10 years. By the way, I have an opinion about that, which you're not going to go there. But why not be efficient? Why not do it in communities where we have agreements around the basic way we relate to one another and to ourselves so we can build these new ways of being to address these complex issues. What would that look like in our families, our neighborhoods, our communities? And what would that feel like? I mean, I think about, yeah, what would it look like? What would it actually feel like in our body to evolve our nature and to be in community, which is really a celebration of those aspects of the feminine that we've been forced to tap down I mean because the feminine is about building community and not building separation or as build and to it's not natural for the innate feminine to compare in my experience I mean I think that's just a learned thing and it's from a toxic through a toxic lens again that we're looking through but I uh I absolutely love that idea of just coming together. And the more season that we come together in community and experience what it's like. I mean, I think for me personally, I haven't been part of 
women's communities uh, up until this year. And the more that I go, go into them, the more that I soften my, com- my, my tendency to compare and to judge other people and myself, the more that I can start to feel more compassion and to really feel myself evolve and open up to new possibilities because I am immersing myself in that community. But if we keep ourselves separate, what's happening is that we keep ourselves stuck in the old way of thinking and doing. So we have to be brave enough to go into that space, even though we might have fear that we're going to be judged or burned, quote unquote, um, but just go into that space and be brave to be there because in our vulnerability, there can be great power. So um, that's just my reflection on that. Um, but I do want to dive back into this conversation. We are at, um, we're only going to take one break for the show today. We usually take two, but we're going to take one today because we have, this is such a big topic and I want to give it more space and time. But if this is really resonating with you, I'm going to be offering an immersion called the crone, the witch, and the dark void. And it was meant to be this Saturday, but I'm going to extend it out to mid-November. So if it's something of interest to you to dive deeper into this conversation, you can join me on Instagram and DM me, and I'll be sure to send you the information when that comes available. But we're going to take this short break, and we'll be right back with Susan McCulley and Sarah Hutchison talking about the importance of celebrating the crone. Women, are you tired of chasing after your dreams? Exhausted and overwhelmed from trying so hard to have the perfect life? Do you yearn for more ease, freedom, and time to explore what is near and dear to your heart, yet have no idea how to stop pushing forward? Join your host, Lindsay McCowan, and others like you on a journey to awaken the divine feminine. When you awaken the divine feminine, you awaken parts of yourself that have been ignored, lay dormant, put on the back burners, or forgotten. When you fully ignite these aspects of yourself, You awaken your ability to thrive in all areas of your life, including relationships, finances, health, career, and purpose. You stop chasing after life and step into an easeful magnetic flow. You become the magnet that effortlessly attracts joy, love, space to play, abundance, and magic that illuminates your life. Does that sound like the future you? Go to lindsay.tv slash goddess to sign up today. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Women Thriving Unapologetically with Lindsay McCowan. Have a question for Lindsay or her guests? Want to share your story? Email Lindsay at thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com. That's thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Here again is Lindsay. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Women Thriving Unapologetically. I'm Lindsay McCowan. Thinking about what we were talking about during the break, uh, Susan and Sarah and I were discussing that, you know, we're sharing a lot of knowledge today 
on the show, but the importance of creating change and evolving our nature and um, creating a new model is to really get these, the, what wants to come through us into the cells of our body. And the way that we do that is through embodied practices, because knowledge is not power. It is actually the action of the practices and, and the movement um, and the, the ways of um, our ancestors to, to really bring this back home or back or forward in our body. I think it's a, a, an outward inward thing or an inward outward. So um, Susan, not, oh, Sarah, you're going to read us a poem by Suzanne Anderson. So to really bring this point home, I believe. Great. We were talking at the break how the constant conversation and engagement of the mind can dull us. And Susan, I know in your introduction, it was mentioned that you use art as part of your way of working with your own life, I'm sure, and with the lives of others to open up other capacities that exist in our brains and in our consciousnesses. So I just thought I'd take a moment to make an offering along those lines and read an invocation of the crone. And this is written by my mentor, the brilliant Suzanne Anderson, the author of The Way of the Mysterial Woman. Invocation of the crone. So just sit back and close your eyes if you'd like. You're not in your car. You soften your body, soften your jaw, that's where I clench. I, I do jaws and shoulders. Soften any place you might be holding as best you can. Still yourself and listen carefully. Hear my voice inside you now, arising from a well of silence. Be in the perfection of this moment. Drop your past, drop your attempts to change, to be a better person, drop the future that awaits you, drop everything. Be in the perfection of this moment. This is where you will discover who I am. I will guide you into a wisdom so profound it will weave together your many ways of knowing. Love is here, exquisite and full enough that your heart will break wide open into the pulsing of the whole universe within you. Welcome, my power. Welcome, the crone. I have the strength of a lion and the grace of a feather. Prepare for my alchemy, mother, hero, father, and maiden have done their work. Step forward with me now into the mystery. Mm. Wow, that was so beautiful. You read that to me one time before uh, when you were a guest in my uh, Awaken the Divine Feminine group. And it's always the same line that stands out, the strength of a lion and the grace of a feather. Strength of a lion, grace of a feather. 
so beautiful. And the mystery, the mystery, mystery. Like to this is so it to me in so many ways is that willingness to step out and not know and not even begin to claim to know or understand everything. Um, But to be able to stay with that unknowing, that not knowing. And, um, and again, that just seems so antithetical, antithetical to the way we're trained. We're trained to know it all and have the facts and, um, never say, I don't, I don't know. (laughs) And, um, and that is to our detriment. Like that is, uh, that is not uh, a healthy approach to anything, really. Um, I'm just thinking that I've I've spent. I recently broke my foot, so I've spent a lot of time in the industrial medical complex, and I'm really aware. Like doctors of all genders are very reluctant to tell me they don't know, which drives me bananas because I I if they don't know, I want them to tell me that they don't know instead of give me some kind of like panacea or like, oh yeah, everybody your age should do this. And I'm like, really? Everybody? Really? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the mystery to me is that that's definitely something that I have noticed as I've gotten older. Um, it's not as, as brilliant poetry, but the Eagles said, the more I know, the less I understand. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and the willingness to keep learning and the willingness to not assume I understand everything or anything, really. Yeah. And I love that because even this week, I, um, you know, in my group of women, you know, I'm, they've come into this brave space looking for guidance from me as we delve into these goddess archetypes. And, and I took a, a new approach and I sent out an email telling them where I was in my process. I was in the shit of it. And, and uh, a client uh, of mine just recently said that it um, recondoed the shit out of my spiritual practice. <laughs> I just wiped everything out. And, and when I sent them an email explaining where it was my process, it freaked them out because they're looking for someone right. to guide them and be that, that the traditional person that sits up there and has all the answers. And it really created disturbance. I was like, oh, maybe that was a little too much for where they were. And then I started judging myself around all of that. And I sent some clarification to, to them saying, this is my attempt at creating approach where we all sit and circle and share deeply. I'm not expecting you guys to do this work without me doing it myself. And um, so I might've made a mistake of sharing too much to, with my students. Um, but at the same time, I don't know. I'm trying to create this new model which I have no blueprint for. And it's just the willingness to get in there and get messy. And if it's, and if if there, and, and just be in that and saying that, okay, we're all each other's guide through this. Yeah. I want to come in and circle back to the Buckminster Fuller quote about creating new paradigms to do that. It's an evolutionary process. When we think of evolution, we might just 
often for me, I see that um, ape to man sketch where you see four or five figures where there's an ape sort of aping along on the ground and then you see the gradual transition and an, an upright man walking. So imagine the messiness of that. That didn't just happen where the ape was like, maybe I'll stand up a little straighter. You know, there's a evolution is messy and the process is chaos, order, evolution. If you think about your own experiences in life, chaos, order, and then we get the evolution. I want to come back to this 10-year thing because I don't mean to be Debbie Downer. Like, we've only got 10 years and then that's, that's the end of it. When we understand how the developmental stages of evolution in ourselves, in our world, in our ability to innovate. And when we understand, as Susan so enthusiastically spoke about it, the, the power of embracing the mystery as a source, sourcing from the mystery. That's the messiness. That's what you're, do, what's you're describing right now, Lindsay. I'm sourcing from that dark void of the mystery right now. And it freaked my people out when I told them that because they want me to be the one that has my act together. So I don't, the 10 year, the 10 year thing, I get it. I get that that's a linear scientific thing. And I'm not denying that the climate crisis is real. But what would it be like to come out of, continue to come out of linearity? We see this in the psychedelic movement right now. I know creative people, very well-paid creative people, who microdose with psilocybin regularly in, and drop into their creativity and come up with things that they couldn't if they weren't in a state where the plants were supporting other parts of them that come forward creatively. We're seeing it all over in culture about how people are embracing the mystery. So what does that look like individually? What does it look like collectively? How does this 10-year guideline become a catalyst for becoming clear, fierce, becoming a lion and a feather? <laughs> the crone is fiercely compassionate. She speaks truth to power. Talk about, let's talk about Hillary Clinton and Nancy Pelosi. Let's make this real. Who are the women leaders in the United States right now? I know we have audience elsewhere in the world, and there are many, many women leaders in prime ministry and leadership in countries. But here in the U.S., look what happened to um, Hillary Clinton. Now, you can say she sank her own ship because, of course, she's confused about feminine power and leadership. But she also got caught in the developmental maw, M-A-W, didn't she? And what about Nancy Pelosi? God bless that woman. Look at the line she's walking. So we're in this really rich, opportune time that feels messy. It is. That feels like a crisis. It is. And yet this is where the Shakti, the creative power, is rising. And how we embrace it and hold it and share it and shape it 
everything depends on that. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Sarah. Yeah, and I, I, I think um, bouncing from that, I also want to circle back to the power of truth telling, whether it is the scientific reality of um, our environmental crisis, um, whether it is political truth or like like the the politicians who you were mentioning and or our own truth. But to me, that is part of the courageous act of leading is to say what is so. And um, to paraphrasing Liz Gilbert, um, who's a genius writer, if you're not familiar, um, she says that any truth that is told is a kindness, even if it makes people uncomfortable. And any truth untold is an unkindness, even if it makes people comfortable. Mm. So you could have made your group more comfortable by not sharing what is so for you. But that is not a kindness. And um, and I, that, I think that that is part of this willingness to step into the healthy, powerful feminine is to say what is, what's true and, um, and not, you know, spin it or um, fake it. um, All of those kinds of things that, that are really unkindnesses. So I'm just, I'm, this is just a plug for, telling the truth, (laughs) even even if people freak out. Yeah. And I think it's beautiful because I think it's so important to, you know, say the truth with kindness um, and not, you know, there's the truth with the anger and there's the war um, and the judgment. Like sometimes we think, oh, is this truth, you know, coming from a place of kindness or is it coming from a place of I want to hurt the other person? I think we, I want to clarify that because sometimes like there can be that, oh, I'm going to tell you the truth, but you're really not saying your truth in a way that yeah. you really want to, for it to land with that person. Um, so, and I just think about, you know, like how are we going to create these spaces, the environment where we can once again value these aspects of the crone and also want to point out that the crone energy can be at any age and it needs to be emerging at, at all ages. We need the wisdom to come, start to come forward and to tap into that wisdom at all and all age ranges so that we can start to have the, the evolution of our nature happen faster and not just, not just looking to people of a certain age over 50, I think it's just the, the linear kind of definition of when we start to enter our crone years, but allowing that, you know, someone can have that crone wisdom and be a, an elder or a guide to someone in their twenties, if they're in their thirties. So, so how do we bring this forward? Ladies, like, do, is it through the continuing to create those spaces for communities and keep the invite and, and keep, consistently bringing that message forward and create the loving spaces for women to come into. Um, 
what is the uh, what is the plan? <laughs> the plan and the messy evolution of everything. This is where I want to say, God bless technology. And technology is a, a product of the patriarchy. So let's not, you know, we're all exhausted by the patriarchy. And it's messy, and it's chaotic, and it's evolving. But look at us on Zoom. I'm in Colorado. Both of you are in Virginia. Voice of America, people are listening to all over the world. It's never been easier to gather and to share experience. We could all get on a plane and meet in Maui if we wanted in the next few days. We wanted to please. So I, I just want to, again, bring in this um, reality that we are so beautifully positioned to come together virtually and in real time to support each other. And when we have this juicy energetic field that is being developed by the work that all of us are doing and by, Lindsay, what you've organized through Voice of America People, women are listening right now. Primarily women are listening right now. And some are getting really catalyzed. You might feel it in your body. Like, yes, I want more of this. I want more of this conversation. I want to keep the company of women who are thinking this way and having experiences that support being with the mystery, being fierce and compassionate, figuring out new ways of doing things. So they can do it. They can come to Susan's community can come to my community can come to Lindsay's community that's where it begins. It begins in that way, in these smaller circles. And then each of us know women that we then will take this conversation out to. So if I catalyze six women that are in a circle with me right now, then each one of those goes out and catalyzes another six. You get this exponential effect of the non-linear gathering of Mm -hmm. Of, of, of the healthy feminine, embodying the yin, the soft, and the yang, the direct, in order to bring solutions to complex problems. Yeah. And I, I would also add that part of what I see as being important, especially as we begin to shrug off the patriarchal models that are not serving us um, is this intentionality. It's like in this community, this is how we treat each other. We catch each other. If we're comparing, we catch each other. If we're making fun of our bodies as they age, we catch each other lovingly with hands that are tender and strong that we say, um, you know, it's, it's, um, each of us has the gifts that we want that we can bring and that comparison and com- competition um, don't serve us in that, in that endeavor. And so, um, so I think that I have been in uh, communities of women without that intentionality and it, it falls into the patterns of the patriarchy. And so I think that this is part of what we're talking about is the embodiment and, um, and, and clarity of how we want to show up for each other and to, with each other. Yeah. 
And did not also to, I know this is, these are big topics and oftentimes when we're like, oh, who am I? Like, there's nothing I can do, but there is like just what you said, Sarah, like every time you come into community and are in that shared space, it has an impact on you. And then you go out and you share that maybe with your child or your sister or your mother or someone else or your friend. And then that gets the them starting to think and starting to feel under their body and maybe, well, maybe I'll go join a group or, and then it just starts to have this impact where everything just starts to spread. I mean, I, I can't remember who said it. It's something about one candle. You light a candle and then it spreads everyone else. Okay. Anyways, I don't know what it is. It doesn't diminish <laughs> the light of the original candle to spread oh, yeah. it out. Everywhere. So from, yeah. a, from a practical standpoint, as we close it out today, I would encourage anybody listening, turn your book club into a circle of, with perhaps some new agreements, Mm -hmm. perhaps choosing some titles that may lead you into deeper conversation. Mm -hmm. I love fiction. Mm -hmm. I love the distraction of it. But there are many things that we can come together in circle to do Mm -hmm. in our neighborhoods, in our book clubs, at the coffee shop, where we agree not to compete or compare yeah. but instead to share That's to be vulnerable yeah Vulner- the vulnerability is the portal to the crone yeah. mm. i love that vulnerability is the portal to the crone so come mm. together in that in that way mm. and see what comes of it the great mystery will support you you will mm. be supported thank you so much for that that's beautiful um last few words to end on that the the mystery will support us because we are part of the mystery women we are part of the mystery so it will support us if we are willing to go into those brave spaces and to um have those conversations and um so i thank each and every um one of you that are listening today for coming into this space and your willingness to listen and thank you sarah and susan for coming in and helping with um share this wisdom and just to see what we can do to start to evolve our nature. And I highly, highly recommend that each one of you reach out and to Sarah and Susan, Sarah can be reached at yoga beyond the poses.com. That's yoga beyond the poses.com and Susan's on Susan McCulley.com. And those will of course be in the show notes. And of course you can always reach out to me. I'm always here to support you as well. And we all have our own circles and um, I think we, we interplay between them. So, um, Come join us in circle and uh, maybe we'll do a circle together one day, which will be a great honor for me. So thank you, everyone. Yes. May the circle be unbroken. So thank you everyone for listening. And we'll be back here next week at the same time, 10 a.m. Eastern standard time, 9 a.m. Pacific. This is voice America's empowerment channel. And by the way, talking about messiness, I have not yet decided whether I'm going to be continuing voice America, but I have two shows to decide. And I'll be having someone read my chart on the last um, November 10th. And I think I'll be making my decision on that show. So stay tuned. <laughs> okay. Thank you, everyone. Much Thank love to all of you. so Namaste. much. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Women Thriving Unapologetically. We hope we've inspired you to claim your birthright to thrive. Tune in next week where we will continue to give you the tools you need to flourish, prosper, and thrive. Until then, have a beautiful week.